Um, we're starting tonight. Uh, <clears throat> we're starting tonight with a with a Christmas series simply called God with Us, and tonight is God with Us. And hope we're going to open this with a very very short video. God with us and hope. I want to read a passage of scripture tonight, actually from the book of Romans, that speaks of this hope. It's in Romans chapter 15, verse number 13. And it simply says this, So I pray that God, who gives you hope, the God who gives you hope will keep you happy and full of peace as you believe in him. May you overflow with hope through the power of of the Holy Spirit. What's hope in your life? What are you hoping for? Anybody want to answer me tonight on that one? What are you, what, what's, a, what's a hope in your life? What would you say? A little audience participation here. You never know what you're going to get though. And that's the, what? Good health. Okay, anybody else? What are you hoping for? What's your hope? Let me tell you what my hope was today. Good weather. <laughs> I, I know that sounds pretty simple. There's several things I'm hoping for in my life, but believe me, I was hoping for some good weather today too. And, uh, and we, got a, we, got a, we got a little break. So, hope. What does hope mean for you? It, uh, sometimes hope is the ability to find the flashlight when the lights go out in the middle of the night. I hope I can find it. Problem there is, I, I hope I can remember where I put it. <laughs> hope is sharing the words that everything's going to be okay. Hope is having the doctor come back out after the series of tests and say, I think everything's clear. That's hope. Hope. Hope is a flicker of maybe, maybe, just maybe everything's going to work out the way that we thought. Hope is often called the fuel of dreams and, and um, the fuel of faith. Hope is what we celebrate on this first Sunday of Advent here. God with us means hope. Advent, Advent here, the word means the coming or the arrival. We are anticipating, starting with this, this particular uh, service today, we are anticipating the arrival of Christ, 
who is going to be born in Bethlehem. We already know where this story is going to lead us. But this is our hope. This is our desire. It's a season before Christmas that's marked with tremendous expectation and, and uh, anticipation. It's longing, all of these things. But it's also a season that links us to the past, to the present, to the future. And all of these spots, all of these places along this journey and along this way, there was hope. Hope is so important. We sang the song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Charles Wesley wrote this hymn in 1744. And there was a, there, he takes it from one of the minor prophets, Haggai, in your Bible. He, Haggai is kind of hard to find. He's sandwiched in there and just kind of a small little uh, prophetic piece, but very important. He takes the words right from this and desiring to, desiring to walk in hope. We want to walk in hope. And when people walk in hopelessness, things are beginning to die and fade and, and crumble and, and vanish around them. We want hope. God, fill our hearts with hope. Fill our hearts with a longing and a desire for hope. Bring hope alive. Hope has had a long journey, I can tell you this. Hope began clear back in the, in the book of Genesis. God, uh, God brought Adam and Eve onto the scene, brought them into an incredible, perfect environment, but there was a decision, a bad decision made to sin. And that sin created a whole vast, massive problem that we still feel today that brings sin into our own lives. And yet, by the time you read Genesis chapter 3, hope is already being established by God. He tells us there, and the thread, the thread, that crimson thread of Christ, the hope of Christ, the hope of a Redeemer, the hope of a Savior, is threaded clear and tired through the, New Te or the Old Testament, flowing into the New Testament, and we see the birth of Christ the hope of the nations. God with us. He is with us. It's been a long journey. Hope was spoken by Israel's leaders, all of the prophets, the deep desire, the longing to fulfill the promise of the Messiah who would come and make everything right. We, we saw some things up on the screen here. One of the prophets was Isaiah. I call Isaiah, he's the poster prophet for Advent. He speaks of hope. He speaks of things, uh, and he's, he's speaking 700 and some years before the birth of Christ, and he says these things. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. And you roll into the New Testament and look in first, or look in Matthew chapter one, beginning in verse eighteen, and it's almost a read from what Isaiah said, seven hundred and some years before that. He goes on. The people walked in darkness, and they've seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. 
George Frederick Handel wrote the Messiah and brought his inspiration that comes directly from Isaiah chapter 9, verses seven, or 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. That's why we're celebrating Christmas. That's why it's a big deal. I mean, I know people look at the, I know people look at all the trappings of Christmas, the commercialism and all the materialism and all of those isms and everything, and I don't really care. I walk into a store and they're playing jingle bells like crazy and everything else and, and all of that. I don't care because I'm telling you, it reminds people that this is a unique, special season and we're celebrating the birth of Christ. And every once in a while at one of those stores, they slip in something. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Let's hope the, the thought police or whoever they are that I know there might be somebody sitting in here this, uh, this evening and saying, well, that's fine for all of those people that lived a thousand years ago and everything else, but what about us? What about me? Did, were they fighting cancer? Were they fighting cancer then? Were they, uh, were they engaged in a war on the other side of the world and some of our loved ones are over there and all of this worry that comes with us? Were they dealing with that? What about their spouse that, didn't, uh, that walked out on them? What about the job that just suddenly ended without any kind of warning and now the bills are stacking up? Does this speak to me? And I say it does. No matter, <clears throat> no matter what kind of problem you may be facing, no matter what kind of season of darkness or pain or any of these other things, I want to encourage you, do not abandon hope. Don't abandon it. Colossians chapter 127 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It gives us hope. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13, being born again to a living hope. Folks, this isn't just philosophy. This isn't just some theology that we reach out and grab on Sunday morning, pull it together and, and say a few words to you. This is something that is in our lives, that is in our hearts. It's something that lives with us. And, and everywhere we go, everything that we do, everything that we say is a part of something that is living in us and is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He makes the difference. He'll make the difference in your life. You can see it in hospitals. I spent so much time in hospitals this week, it's unbelievable. And I think I'm gonna have some more time to spend in them next week, the way it's looking. Such a difference. For people who have hope. You sit around with the family while serious things are happening behind the double doors, and yet there's hope. There's something beating in their hearts that's living, that's real. It's hope. It's hope. And that's what God has given us. 
Let me share some other ways in which God can work. Hope is based on God's word. I love the word of God, this word. This word right here is the bedrock of hope. It's the word of God. It will not fail. This book does not just contain the word of God. It is the word of God. And that's a massive difference. Isaiah again said, the flowers may fade and the grass may wither, but the word of God will stand forever. I stand on the word tonight. This brings me my bedrock of hope right here. When I don't know what to do, I go to the rock. When I don't understand something, I go right here and begin to explore it, study it, pray it, and ask God by his Holy Spirit to reveal it in my heart and in my life, and he'll do that He'll do that in your life too. These are the promises that God gave to people long ago, but he also gives them to us. This thing, this thing didn't go out of date. Even though the last words were written about 2,000 years ago, it's still in date. And it's still real, it's still living. This is God's word. It has the ability to penetrate our hearts and assure us that no matter what we are facing, no matter how bleak it gets, no matter what the outlook is for tomorrow, no matter how bad the pain, God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That's his word. That's his word. You could go, you can count on it. People around you may leave you. People around you may, may walk away. God will never walk away because he loves you. You're never alone because God is with us and he always will be with us and no matter what, nothing will take that away. The Bible is filled with stories and, and the words and the promises that can rekindle, I believe, a supernatural hope within us. And as we begin Advent, we move through this incredible season. I want to encourage you, dig into the word of God. That's why, and I want to point this out, I've got one of these up here. We've got several of these. Actually, they're on the table over there. Would you get them? Take one home with you. Because there's a pay, there, there's a, uh, I should say it this way, there's a chapter for every day. And they're very short chapters. This isn't something you're going to read and read and will I ever get to the end. This is, a, here's a chapter for today. It's just two pages. You can read this thing in three to five minutes It'll lead you in prayer and everything else. I want you to have this. Take it with you and read it during Advent. Read it during the month of December. Pray about these things. These are yours. Please take them with you because they aren't all that good just sitting in the box here all week long. Take them home. Take them home. We want you to take them with you like that. Hope is based on God's character. First of all, it's based on his word. It's based on his character. The second, we, the, the second way we rekindle hope, I think, is bring, our, bring this focus on God's character into a sharper view into our life on who he is and what his promises are. You know, there's a neat story tucked away in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. Sometimes we overlook it. Uh, I mean, we read it. We don't necessarily mean to overlook it, but it has great meaning, and it's a great story of hope. 
It's about a woman. We don't even know her name. The Bible never mentions her name. It doesn't, we, ha, we have no idea what her name is. Or, and she's here for about eight or nine verses, and she's gone. She's off the pages of the Word of God. But what she did was so important. This is a woman. We don't know, like I say, she, but she had a bold hope. She's a woman that had some kind of a blood affliction. And this had been going on a long time in her life. And doctors didn't seem to be able to help her. And the Bible says, she, in fact, she spent all of her money on the doctors and nothing was working except she was just getting back worse. They had tried, her condition worsened, and this condition affected her every day of her life because here's the problem. In this culture, in this culture that she was living in, uh, she became an outcast because of her health. She didn't have anything to do with that. She didn't ask for this, but she became an outcast because of her health. One day she heard that Jesus was coming into her community. And when she found out he was coming into her area, she believed something special was going to happen in her life and hope, hope began to, began to be rekindled. Hope began to grow. Hope began to produce. Here's what hope will do for you. It begins to produce faith too. This word will produce faith. That's guaranteed. But hope, but hope begins to bring faith alive and hope was coming alive in her heart. And even though she was in weakened condition, she was saying to her heart, I believe Christ can heal me. I believe he can do something in my life. And this drove her to action. You know, folks, let me, let me just go off script here for a minute. You can have all the hope in the world, you can have all the faith in the world, but if action isn't happening as a result of it, you haven't got much of anything. Hope and faith require us to kick something into action and do something, do something. And the Bible says it this way, if I can just get close enough to touch his clothes, think of that, if I can just get, I, I don't need a conversation, I don't need to shake his hand, I, I don't need to slap him on the back or anything like, I just, I just want to touch a little piece, a, a little piece of that garment that he's wearing. I, I just want to touch a piece of it. And I know this, that God is going to heal me. That's powerful hope, powerful faith. All of these things. It was a busy day. Jesus was attracting huge crowds. Jesus didn't walk around alone or with a few dozen uh, disciples or something like that. Crowds gathered around him. This woman somehow got her way. You know what? Hope has determination connected with it, doesn't it? I want something. I want God to do something in my life. And I'm, I'm asking God to give me a faith that believes for my healing. And I'm going to get through this crowd. And that's exactly what she did. And she reached out and she touched that little piece of garment on Jesus' robe. And Jesus stopped. 
and said, who touched me? It's an interesting thing to say when you're around a big crowd of people and everybody's trying to get close to Jesus and everything else, people nudging you and you know, all of this thing, you're kind of being swept along by the crowd. And the disciples said, what do you mean, who touched you? Jesus, we're in the middle of a crowd. I think this woman may have just froze for a moment. Uh-oh. She realized she'd just gotten healed of a disease or a symptom that had been a part of her life for so long that she hardly knew how to live without it. And God healed her. Who touched me? Jesus connected with her and God with us. God with us. God with us brought healing as a response to this woman who we have no idea her name. As she connected with him, hope and faith collided at that moment. And Christ brought healing and a changed life. Wouldn't you love to do the follow-up story? What did this woman do? We'll never know. We'll ask her in heaven, though, when we see her. And then you see, this is how God works. He's promised to us, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. And God is true to his character. And finally, God's hope is based on God's faithfulness. I'm just going to speak about this for a moment or two, but turn. I, I, <clears throat> how has God been faithful in your life? You know, really, I think sometimes we ought to just stop and say, how has he been faithful in my life? We take so many things for granted, don't you? We all do that. I do. But I, I feel like in these days, God is prompting me to be more careful and more thankful for what he's brought into my life, to be more aware of it, of what he's done for me and all of that. He's done so much and he's been faithful. If I had everything gone for me today, I honestly could stand here tonight and say, my God has been faithful all the way. And I could say I have never been disappointed in how God has treated me in my life because he's faithful. He's faithful. There's been times when I've been weak in faithfulness, but God has always been faithful, always. I believe these are important memories and things as we think about them. Gratitude always brings hope. Thanksgiving fosters hope. Appreciation brings new hope. The little book of uh, Lamentations, written by the prophet Jeremiah, uh, <clears throat> says this in chapter 3, verse 21. It says, yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Lamentations means kind of just what the word says. It's sort of a, sort of a downer kind of a book in a way. It's talking about all the problems we've got and everything else and how things aren't going very good and all of this stuff. But listen to these words, yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope.
in the midst of the darkness and the depth of the hopelessness of the people of that time, Jeremiah says, I have hope. I have a feeling I know where he wrote that too. He wrote it from prison. Jeremiah was not popular in his day. The kings didn't like his message. So let's throw this guy in the prison. He writes, I have hope. He knew there was hope is like a spark from a fire. And it would spread, and when it does, it would revive, it would nurture, it would flourish, it would multiply, and it would renew hope in people's lives. Joan and I kind of had a late night of it last night. We, uh, we left here, I think, around 5 or 5.30 for Des Moines and <clears throat> hospital. A man that has just come to our church for a couple months or so, two, three months, had... Um, had some heart issues and they rushed him to uh, Mercy where they were preparing to do bypass surgery and stuff like that. And so John and I got in the car and we all took a deep breath and say, oh boy, I was looking forward to the recliner this evening. And uh, <laughs> so we headed to Des Moines and got there and uh, he hadn't been there too long and they had taken him to some tests and we were just sitting in his room and he came back and his first words was really interesting. He said, these are the people that gave me hope. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute now, Jerry. It wasn't me, it was God starting to work in your life in a fresh way that gave you hope. You should thank him. All we did was show up. Hope. And I can tell you, this changed that man's life. It literally changed his life. Hope. Hope was rebirthed, reborn, renewed, reestablished in Jerry's life. I heard the story of a little league baseball team. They were playing the game. They all had their little uniforms on and everything and they're just out there slugging away and and the fielders are out there trying to field the ball and it goes right between their legs and couldn't figure out how that could happen and everything it was quite a game and a man came by a gentleman came by and he asked one of those little boys he says what's the score he says well it, it's 18 to nothing right now and it's but it's still in the first inning and we haven't been up to bat yet so, now there's hope for you. There's hope. We haven't been up to bat, so we're not out of this thing. I read just this morning, you can, you can survive 40 days without food, eight days without water, about four minutes without air, but you'll only be able to survive seconds without hope. Hope is so valuable. Hope is very valuable. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Hope is here. It's here. And His name is Jesus. Would you pray with me now? 
Our Father, today we thank you for <clears throat> we thank you for the living Word of God. We thank you that this Word declares God with us, God with us, right here in this historic church in Humboldt, Iowa. God with us in the midst of these fifty or so people. God with us to be able to reach to people's lives tonight, where hope may be fading. But Father, I pray that it has been reignited, it is growing, it is advancing, and that you are touching people with renewed, brand new hope. So Father, tonight, I pray that there would not be one person that would walk out of here without the realization that you love us, you care for us, Hope was brought into this world through the arms of a young woman and laid in a manger. Father, we thank you that you cared for us so much, yet you made hope real, living, and with us tonight. So we thank you today. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. 